From the Ram Studio, connected by AT&T, welcome to Between the Horns. I'm Miles Simmons. Across the table is DeMarco Farr. D. Farr, what's going on? Now it's a false start on Miles. Oh, it's not a false. What? Kidding. No, what's going on? Nothing. Oh, mm. You're going to... Just you're trying gonna, to throw you off you're already. Gonna go, okay. You're going to go back to before we began this course, thing again. Of course, a little bit, little bit. Yeah, that's where you're right. trying to heckle me. They give you a hard count every now and then. Yeah, all right, that's fine. see if you're fine. ready. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, we got to talk about this latest Rams loss. Uh, it's yeah. another one that... It was really disappointing, no, um, I mean, especially with the way it ended. Uh, interim head coach John Fossil brought it up that, you know, it reminded you of the Miami game, but yeah. when you lose to the 49ers 22-21, to 21, man, that's just, that, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. You know, I th the thing that you can boil away from a loss like that, because we've seen that movie before, like you said, <laughs> yeah. uh, Miami. I think I said that during the game, during the broadcast. I said if this offense, the Rams offense, if it goes stagnant again, I bet, Colin Kaepernick gets hot, mm -hmm. and I bet this becomes a game, and you might wind up losing it, and yeah, that's what happened. But yeah. um, the one thing you can boil away is, you know, lead or behind. Um, I don't think the Rams have enough playmakers on offense. I, I think that's been abundantly clear throughout this entire season. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, like, if you have a game in hand and you can put it away, at least some teams have a good running game or a good receiver you can't stop, yeah. that you can lean on in certain situations to yeah. keep your offense on the field to salt away the clock. So um, that guy did not show up again for the Rams. Well, because you don't have one. I mean, that's yeah. basically what you're saying. Yeah, right? not at all. I mean, I, I think we can give up waiting on Todd Gurley. For uh, this year, yeah. You've got one game left. So, yeah, yeah he's not going to be that guy. Uh, Kenny Britt isn't that guy. Um, I think this, there are no more Tavon Austin secrets around the NFL. I agree with that. Yeah. At I least think... not in this current scheme that the Rams are running in 2016. Well, that's something else that's interesting. I wonder if a new guy could find a way to make him more productive. Well, does it, does that kind of depend on, do you think, just him or the players around him as well? Because I've said this before, yeah. and probably not on this podcast, but I think if Tavon Austin is not necessarily the number one option, uh, because your number if it's a guy... Okay, the, the, maybe the best thing that Tavon Austin could have ever become would be a Deshaun Jackson type, right? You know, okay. a, a smaller receiver, very, very fast, good on the outside. You know, we're, what, four years now into Tavon Austin's career. He, it doesn't yeah. appear he's going to turn into that. Well, he's a type. He's just not that guy. Exactly. Yeah, I mean. So does that mean that if you get better weapons on the outside – that Tavon Austin can be someone that goes on the inside and can make plays in that way? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know I don't know, know the answer to that, but I the way they're trying to use him here, like I think there's too many solutions. Um, the speed factor, trying to uh, get him out on the edge on mm -hmm. end arounds. Um, I think defenses have adjusted to that. I think definitely the run game, the interior run game with Todd Gurley is suffering because of that. You know, there's three A's to every defense. I don't know if you know this. Um, okay, I, I don't A's. think I do. Alignment, assignment, and adjustment, mm -hmm. right? That's the big thing. Uh, you got to know where to line up, what your assignment is, and then adjust to what you see. Yeah. Well, if the first two kills that offense, well, you're going to have a good day on defense. Okay, yeah. If alignment and assignment is enough to stop that offense, then uh, by the fourth quarter, you're going to be in trouble, or at least that quarterback is. Right. So I, I think that's what you're seeing right now. Um, towards the end of the year, I think it's fair to say what you're trying to do offensively, you don't have enough talent to run. Well, do we? Okay, this is this is probably going to sound bad, but do we know what the Rams are trying to do offensively? Well, yeah. Isn't the, isn't that part of the issue that we don't really know what the Rams are trying to do offensively? I think what they were trying to do is what they did in 2015, when you would have a Tavon Austin, a a gadget guy that would threaten the edges to keep those outside linebackers, defensive ends, off the interior run game, and then pop runs through there. Well. Mm -hmm you're not honoring his speed anymore. Those outside backers are just crashing down on the run, and they're becoming the extra body for Todd Gurley to get through. Um, so what you're trying to do now, when you see mistakes being made, like against San Francisco this past weekend in the Coliseum, it looks like preseason mistakes. And, oh, yeah. yeah, it's either the running back can't find the hole or there's too much confusion up front that uh, you can't figure out who to get and how to get him. And then – you're, you're stuck in the backfield. Right. So, I mean, I, I think that's where you are as an offense. And, I mean, I wish this was two years down the line. So, if that happens, you can have a quarterback like a Jared Goff that's experienced. That can take over the game. Mm -hmm. But 
you just don't have that in, in your magic bag right now. Well, no, and I think the inexperience of Goff is sort of coming into play here. And Goff has not necessarily looked great over the last few weeks. I mean, he threw for 90 yards passing uh, against San Francisco. And against San Francisco, one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, they're 32nd ranked. Uh, they might not be anymore, and I haven't really checked. Yeah. But uh, after the They were the number the one played. for one day. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the Rams obviously did not do very well against them in the week one matchup. And now you come here to week 16 and – it's just too much of the same story, right? Yeah. You know, we know now that this is a really bad run defense, and the Rams still cannot get the run game going. I yeah. I think that tells you just where the Rams are in terms of their offense and how they have to be able to get better going into 2017. Absolutely. Um, if you look at the carries that Todd Gurley's had and the production, um, it's just not there. You can't blame it's that on just all. one group. I think that's a collective failure. Even his touchdown, it seemed like the 49ers just lost him in traffic. You know, I I looked at that touchdown. They and had it. They I, had it they bottled They did. Up. Yeah. And my view of it was that, you know, okay, it's, it's basically a power there on the goal line, right, or a trap, whatever you want to call it. And Andrew Donnell coming from the right guard is going in, and he's trying to get that guy. There's a down lineman in, in, I guess it would be the B gap, and he's trying to get him out, right? And Todd Gurley basically goes to the outside of where Donnell is instead of the inside. And so the hole opens up pretty decently on the inside for Gurley to get that one yard and get in there. But he goes to the outside, and then he keeps his feet moving, and he gets in anyway. Ricochet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when we say it's not all on the offensive line, and believe me, I'm not saying that the offensive line has played that well this season, but... There are a lot of reasons why Todd Gurley has not been the Todd Gurley that we've seen, I think, in 2015. And no doubt. And think of the O-line that was in front of him on that play and think about the one that started the year. Right. You've got two starters on the bench. Andrew Donnell is new. This is true. Roger Saffel's back at left tackle. Yeah. Jamon Brown is in. I mean, that's what I mean. Preseason mistakes when you're trying to learn chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you're doing this in the regular season versus a defense that's been hammered at for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, eventually they're blind squirrel flies the nut. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. just like the running play, um, they're going to give up gaps if they lose you and you can somehow find your way in the end zone. But for the most part, it's tough sledding running the football. It's really tough sledding. And you know, to, to sort of illustrate this, I had this pointed out to me today. Um, you know that there was a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who played who played football? I played against him. Not not the same guy, right? So this is uh, the basketball player. The football player. I'm. I know. I hear you. What's your joke? I. This what is are not you a trying joke. to set up? I'm. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. It, it, this, are you going to tell me, me Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the basketball player, played football? No. So I'm, you mean the football player? I mean the football player. The one that used to be Sharman Shah. I, did, was he? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. I, I just know that, that his name is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm just. Okay. I'm just trying to. You got me too too deep into he this. He used to be a Brown. Uh, yeah, he was. And he, he played for the Browns in 1999. He had, the, he had he had like a Todd Gurley type season. Ex- this is exactly, the ball for the exactly where I'm yeah. going with this. But he was with the Dolphins in 1997, and he rushed 283 times for 892 yards, and he averaged 3.2 yards per carry. I mean, this is almost the same kind of season that you know we're gonna see from Todd Gurley this year. Because if you look at what Todd is projected to get to, it's 282 carries about 906 yards, and the only thing that's really off is the touchdowns. I mean, uh, Jabbar had 15 that year. Right. Todd Gurley has only six right now. So yeah. th- this is this is a really poor season for Todd Gurley in his no sophomore doubt. campaign. Well, if you get that many carries and you're still pointing fingers, then there's a problem. Well, I don't know. I mean, do we feel like Todd Gurley is really No, I'm, but I'm just saying, anybody that's okay. out there saying it's just this group or that oh, group or this okay. or that, yes. and we're still right. pointing fingers, that many carries, come on. I understand what you're yeah, saying it's, now. It's yeah, not no, just it's one not, group. It's everything. It's not. It really on. is everything. Yeah. And I think it has to be. And you brought this up last week, you know, with the drop passes and, and things like that on third down and, and not sustaining drives. Well, I agree. If you have more opportunities, you're you're more likely to pop one at some point. And right. part of the issue is that the Rams' passing game has just been bad. And then when the passing game is bad and you can't stop, you can't do anything with the run game, it, we were talking about this earlier in the year where, 
you know, when Case Keenum was quarterback and everybody was loading up to stop Todd Gurley and, you know, we'd say, yeah, well, eventually what you need to do is be able to make plays on the outside and that will open up some things for the run game. Well, that's not happened. Right. So, you know, nobody needs to respect your passing game. Right. And that's why everything is focused on the run game. It's not done anything all year. Right. But it's been called. What do you mean? Some of those plays have been called, trying to take advantage of plays outside the Oh, yes, 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 right. yes, So yes. you have to look at who's doing the playmaking out there. Or who's not doing who's the playmaking. Who's not doing the playmaking. I mean, I think this is, you know, a, a team-wide thing. I'm trying to think of who their best playmakers are, period, regardless of position. Do you mean offensively and defensively? Yes. Um, I don't think you have a lot of playmakers at safety as far as – Picking off passes. Um, I think one side of your defense in Tremaine Johnson, maybe a LaMarcus Joyner, could be considered playmakers. Okay. At receiver, who's your best playmaker? Uh, Aaron Donald. At receiver. Oh, at receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That would have been don't a great either. answer, right? <laughs> I don't know. Let's I'm put sorry. him out there. I'm sorry. I don't... <laughs> I got out you, there. No, you wouldn't. If Don Terry Polk can throw a touchdown pass, he can catch one. <laughs> yeah, I know. How about that? Well, you went to both sides of the ball, and then you went back, and yeah. so I, I, I lost you for a second. No, just, but, I was you know, just who's your best playmaker at receiver? I don't. Period. I, don't know. I was going I up know. and down the roster. I was I looking at Alec Ogletree. I was looking at Mark Barron. I was looking at everybody and trying to think who are your best playmakers. Right. That's so. That's that's where I got confused because yeah. you said you were looking up and down the roster and looking at everybody, and that's why I said Aaron Donald. Okay, we moved on. We're talking okay, about playmakers. Okay. Well, now I get it. Now now we're talking about playmakers at receiver. Give you a false start. To yeah, start I, the show. I guess so. Wake I'm, up. I'm totally legal. Wake up, Greg right Robinson. Uh, man, okay, well, let's go there. Let's yeah. Greg Robinson. Um, no, another, that's... he's benched again. And, you know, this time we can say benched because Fossil said benched after in Tuesday's press conference. You've seen Greg. You've walked by Greg before. I, I walk by him all the when time. When he walks by you, the ground shakes. Yeah. Um, he's as strong as anybody on the planet. He is an incredible athlete. He why can throw are, the ball 50 yards. Why are you sitting on the bench in street clothes? You, why are you sitting on the bench next to me? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. whatsoever. Now, I don't know the, the entire story. I don't know what the hell the problem is. I know that I would say 90% of it is probably him. Really? Why are you on the bench? Hmm. That's ridiculous. Oh, the the issue really is that he leads the league in penalties, right? And, yeah. And he's had so many penalties called on him. I think where he's up to almost forty penalties called on him in just three seasons. Great topic. I'm glad you got into this. Um, a penalty, this. a rule infraction mm -hmm. that causes you to lose yardage or gets you off the field on third down. Third down. Right. More or less important than a drop that does the same thing. How is it? I mean, isn't it the same? It should be, right? Right. So why is he on the bench and some of these other guys aren't? That I I don't know. I just work here, man. <laughs> I'm, but I'm just saying, uh, it's it's got to be more I, than just the mistakes hey, he's making I, on the field. I agree. Yeah. Okay. If you want to put him down for for mistakes, there's okay. there's other people that should go with him. Sure. So it's got to be more than that. Well, and you know what? What I thought was interesting. I mean, this is, goes back to to when Fisher was still here. I mean, he said that he needed the mental break, right? And yeah. so it wasn't just about, uh, you know, he said he had penalties and all and the mistakes, but there was also mental breaks. And then he said he Greg Robinson recommitted himself to doing whatever, and he said he expected him to play well and da da da. But I, I think the other thing here is that okay, if you're going to put a guy on the bench. And then you're just going to put him right back in. Is there something that you can learn there, especially if it happens the second time? You know, I, I think what you're, when you deactivate a guy like Jeff Fisher did when he was right. head coach, you took a game from him. Yes. That's big. So your next team, your next negotiation, no matter what, this is, this is a business when you get down to it. You're going to have to explain that. Okay. You're a healthy scratch. Yeah. Why? So your next employer, your next head coach is going to want to know why. And it happened now twice, not just under the full-time head coach, but also the interim head coach. Right. So that I, I think it's an even bigger thing that you're going to have to explain, you know, to whoever the next head coach here is with the Rams or whatever happens with him down the road. Well, usually that gets to a player. I mean, that will that would wake you up once they start taking away what you love the most. Right. The field that should wake you up. But if it happened again, there's a problem there. So that's why I would ask him, you know, why are you on the bench? That's why I started it that way. There's a movie called Patton. You ever seen the movie Patton? I'm not, no. Uh, Patton, serious movie. George C. Scott, great movie. I think he won the Academy Award and refused to accept it. Okay. First time and only time that's ever happened. That's interesting. But there's a scene in the movie where he goes into the, what do you call that, the hospital? Um, like Walter Reed? No. Uh, 
the military base? The military base where everybody's healing. Oh, the wounded uh, the warriors. The infirmary. The infirmary. Thank you very much. Yeah. And he's going to this guy. This guy's missing an arm. This guy got blown up. Da 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 da. And he goes to this other guy that's sitting on the end of the bench, and there's nothing wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And he's, why are you in here? Well, I just can't take it anymore. I just can't take the stress of war. Hmm. So Patton kind of flips out and says to the doctors, remove this coward, get him out of this room from all these other brave men. Right. So I look at Greg and wonder, why the hell are you in street clothes? Hmm. With everything else that's going on, mm -hmm. your brothers are out there suffering without right. you. Yeah. Why are you on the bench? What is causing you to be here? Yeah. Get it fixed. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. There's talent there. Penalties aside, I could care less. There's talent there. There is. And they need him on the field they do not on the bench in street clothes right and uh, you know talking to him uh, yesterday says so we record this this is wednesday um before practice and so we, we got a chance to talk to him yesterday in the locker room and what he was saying is that you know it caught him off guard at the beginning of the week um and that his mindset hasn't changed you know he said it's a decision they made as a staff so he's just trying to work through it but you know he said it's trying he's trying not to let it bother him as a competitor and okay. that, you know, well, he good. still wants to be out there. Yeah. Um, so he's just trying to, you know, perf perform as he can and get better each and every week. And I, I think what's interesting to me, and, and it, it's interesting that you said it was 90 per you think it, as a player it's 90% him. Um, Who else? There's I, no one else in that I, helmet but I him. agree. No, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I hesitate to say that it's an effort thing with Greg because, I mean, we've, I, we've seen him go in – try to get better and use other means. Like, he, he went to a little Charles Bentley, um, who used to be an offensive lineman in the league and now sort of runs a kind of offensive lineman camp, if you will. Yeah. And so he went to Le Charles Bentley to say, hey, you know, how can I get better? I know better? Le Charles. So, yeah. Yeah, just saying. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. That was that was an interesting <laughs> face for all the people I know on Charles, the podcast. I know Charles, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, but I, I think there are things that he's trying to do to get better. But yeah, yeah. whatever whatever it is right now, whether it is just him or whether it's the coaching, whether it's whatever it is, it's not working. How many starters have been benched this year? How many starters have been deactivated? Well, only one. Okay, and so him. are we going to say it's not effort when all these other guys are still performing okay. and playing? When You're... Tremaine Johnson comes back off a bad ankle injury yeah. to get back on the field ASAP. Yeah. LaMarcus Joyner is being held together by masking tape. Yeah. Uh, I'm just having fun I, with it. I don't know. I know, I'm just, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I get it. And you have to almost tie him up to keep him off the field. You do. Okay. Because so, that's LaMarcus Joyner. So some of that has to come back to effort. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. fair. I'm just, he's too damn big, too damn good to be on the bench. No, I, yeah. I think you're right. Do you think that there could be a position switch in his future? You mean from uh, tackle from to guard? From left tackle to guard. Absolutely. I yeah. think all bets are off now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, once a new coaching staff comes in, heck yeah. All bets are off for basically everybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're going to play where I tell you to play mm -hmm. or you don't play here. But um, if there's a better option at left tackle, I think there might be. I think that's On what the they team. told you with Roger Saffold yeah, out there. I think so, too. If there's a better option at left tackle, I, I think you would probably go there, especially with a Jared Goff at quarterback. Right. And, you know, one of the interesting things is that I was talking to somebody yesterday. He said, I, I don't know how good Roger Saffold has been at left tackle. And I said, well... Have we really noticed him when he's been out there in the two games? I mean, the one against New Orleans and then the one last week against San Francisco. Did you say you really noticed Roger Saffold? Uh, not in a bad way, no. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And, the, yeah. and there's a point because right. when Greg Robinson's been out there, you've noticed him. And right, when you're because the play the stops and the official calls out his number. Yes, yeah. and when you're noticing the left tackle, <laughs> right. and either, whether it's either you know through the play stopping or when yeah. it's on the play and you can see a guy beating the left tackle and he comes in and he hits your quarterback, well, that's where the issue lies, right. I think, at the left tackle. So, you know, Ravenstein um, shows up more than Greg does. And that has been yeah. really interesting it's this just, season. Over here is not being flagged. Yes. Over here is just being Beat. Beaten. Yes. Yeah, being beat for pressures or sacks. Yes. Over here, you have assignment errors mm -hmm. and mistakes. So either way, when when your bookends are struggling, either way, you've got problems at quarterback. You do. And I think that's what you're starting to see with Jared Goff. It's not that he's gun-shy. It's just he doesn't trust. Right. Yeah. Like and he shouldn't. Versus San Francisco, no one's open. An elite-level quarterback or a professional quarterback with experience probably tries to extend the play because somebody's going to come open. Mm -hmm. But he's one, two, hot potato, let me get it out because I've been hit a lot. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. So, I mean, he's going to look back on this year as a great learning tool. Who, Jared? For Jared Goff, okay. for how he's going to perform when it actually starts 
to get good on offense. Yeah. When you have a running game, when you have better protection. You're going to learn from this year, no doubt. Well, one of the things that I noticed about the the end of the game, you know, where um, the Rams had the ball, you know, yeah. and they got it at almost, what, the, the 45, 50-yard line yeah. after because of the penalty that had happened on uh, the two-point play where Kaepernick successfully kind of dove in the end zone. That was just, you know, it's a really good effort play by Kaepernick. He, oh, yeah. He did, he did what he needed to do. But the, the thing I noticed was on those two passing plays, the one ends up in an interception, the second one. But the first one, it's just a really bad route, man. You know, and you round off these routes that are probably supposed to be out routes. That's what it looks like. It looks like a seven-yard out. And if Jared Goff delivers the ball at seven yards and you're all the way back at nine and a half, ten, that's why the ball skips in there and you're diving. Right. (laughs) Because it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not where you're supposed to be. And I sort of felt the same way on the play with the interception. Was that a great throw? Probably not. Should it have been the read? Maybe not. But if the wide receiver comes out there and he's running the good route, it's probably not going to be picked off because at the very least, you're going to have a 50-50 ball between the cornerback and the wide receiver. So right. these are issues right now. I mean, I, and if it's, if it's you know, I don't know what my assignment is, I'm not, I'm not doing my route properly, whatever it is, these are the kinds of mistakes that cost you ball games. Oh, no doubt. All you have to do is get just a few yards down the field because Greg Zerline can kick the well, living patooey out of a he's ball. He's got the distance. Exactly. Uh, l- let's hope he hits it. Well, right. sure, but yeah. at least you want to give him a chance. Absolutely, and you could have had the chance, but if you look at those two plays, the first pick and the last one, uh, give the defender credit. He played I, I do. both guys. They they played the ball with extreme confidence. They did, which means you didn't fool them at all, and they right. weren't afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could have been bad route. It could have been they they don't respect his arm strength. It could have been one of a thousand things that caused you to turn the ball over. But when I see guys make that confident a break on the football, they've yeah. got you. Yeah. And, and we've seen this for a couple of weeks now. We have. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a function of where you are as an offense, not just Jared Goff. I agree, because there are tools where you see Jared Goff, you know, really fire the ball. The, the touchdown pass he had to Tyler Higby, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Because it was just, it was good fundamentals. He was standing back there in the pocket off the play action. He waited a little bit until Higby got open enough and fired the ball into the window. It was a P-rod, and he got the touchdown. Yeah, so yeah. these are the kinds of traits that I think, you know, it's like, oh, that's why he was drafted number one overall because he yeah. has that kind of ability. He's got a whip. Um, what I like is the pocket presence. Um, there are times when he stepped up through a blitz, found a dead spot to, to at least throw the football. Now right. it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. But getting the ball out, I would say, was a win yeah. for him. Um, <laughs> there was one where it was a complete whiff on the O-line where mm-hmm. they just absolutely turned the protection the wrong way and there's a free guy off the edge. Yeah. I mean, coming right down his throat from the right side. Mm-hmm. And he still threw the ball on time to a receiver. And I think it was incomplete, but he got it out to Tavon Austin. Yeah. Took the pop, got up, ran to the sideline. So I, I think all that stuff is important. Eventually, the connection is going to start to come. Well, yeah, and it's going to be, I mean, it, obviously it's going to be next year with probably a, a different group of receivers. Right? Oh, no I doubt. Mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's I mean. Just, we're, we're talking reality yeah. now, folks, and, you know, it is, it's week 17, and yeah. we're all where we are. The, the coach has been dismissed, so it's not like I think we're breaking any news here. You yeah, know? There's, a, there's a reason Aaron Rodgers loves uh, what's his name? Jordy Nelson. Loves Jordy Nelson. Yeah. He's oh. a playmaker. Ooh, yeah. Any quarterback that lines up with Des Bryant loves him. Yeah. Matt Ryan loves Julio Jones. <laughs> Absolutely. They're all playmakers. Put the ball in an area, I'll get it. Even the tight end in Kansas City. Oh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Great. Best thing that ever happened to Alex. Smith. Oh, no question. Yes. You know what? I'm I, always open. Give what me the ball. I love about Travis Kelsey as we go off on a tangent here is the way he can both catch the ball, but he is a darn good run blocker, yeah. too. That's a special thing with tight ends. They've, had, they've been very fortunate with that franchise between, you know, Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey. Those are two really, really awesome tight ends. Doesn't that suck? What? Uh, just two great tight ends in a row. I'm not, you know what it reminds me of? It, you know, <laughs> right. it reminds me of Indianapolis, where you two go from, like, quarterbacks a, you go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and you've got a, literally a one-year break in there. 
at least with Travis Kelsey and uh, Tony Gonzalez, there were a few more years, you know? Did I tell you the story? It was about Cleveland, too. I don't think so. I Ooh. never told you the story. Story time. Oh, it's a great dilemma. Excellent. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Um, you have to help me with the dates. Okay. Um, going all the way back to when Andrew Luck was coming out of school. What year was that? Uh, that was 2011 because he was picked in the 2012 draft. Okay. So the Rams are playing Cleveland at Cleveland in, in 2011. Yeah, I remember this game. Nail-biter. Oh, man, do I remember this game. Nailbiter, right? Yeah. Uh, the Rams hadn't won in a while. Both teams hadn't won in a while. Mm-hmm. So it was tooth and nail trying to get a yes. victory, right? So Cleveland's driving down for the winning field goal. Yes. Um, it's a chip shot. They yeah. line up, and they miss. It they was did. actually blocked it by James blocked. Hall. It was blocked. Oh, right. I remember. The Rams win. Everybody's happy. Happy flight going home. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a loss would have meant? It would have meant that the Rams probably would have had the number one overall pick. And you would have gotten Andrew Luck. Most likely, Now, yeah. going back, would you rather lose the game? Well, (laughs) (laughs) probably going back. You haven't had a win in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather lose the game? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I remember that game because that was um, Pat Shermer, who used to be the Rams offensive coordinator. He gave the ball to a tight end who was lined up in I formation as the fullback. Right. Yes. Gave it to him in the red zone. What did he do? He fumbled. Yes. Why would you do that? I was I was, happy. I Thank was you, Pat. so mad. Thank you, Pat. I I was like I was really really livid in my dorm room. I was the exact that opposite. Yeah. I was so happy. I Thank you, Pat. I could not believe Great that call, happened. Pat. I think Keep it up. I wrote a blog that yeah that was yes. had some mean words in it. But yeah. I mean, but really, if if you knew that, would you lose the game on purpose just to get that guy? I don't know. I mean, you There's can no talk. No way in hell you I'm can, losing. Well, yeah. If you, you want me to lose on purpose, take me out of the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what people were saying about the the Browns last week, who did win a game. They're not going to go 0 and 16. Right. They're going to go to Pittsburgh this week, and without uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, who knows? Maybe you might they, get two. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they win two. But everybody was on Twitter, you know, before the the Rams kick off, thinking, oh my, well, they won a game now. They might not get the number one overall pick. Who is going to be number one? And what do you know? It's still the Browns because yeah. <laughs> the Niners beat the Browns. Excuse me, the Rams. Not- a second time, wow. so the Niners got to two. I don't even know who the top quarterback is this year. Do you? Um, you know, it kind of depends on who you ask. It's not Andrew Luck. No, it's okay. not Andrew Luck. It's not a franchise-saving guy. Is nobody, it? nobody. Oh. I mean, come on. Like how how many times in uh, ten years does a guy come out like Andrew Luck? Once, twice. Well, if you listen to the pundits, three or four times. Uh, well, I don't, but, yeah, I mean, they're wrong, <laughs> right, right? right? I mean, they get proven wrong all the time. Yeah, Sam Bradford, we're supposed to be in two Super Bowls by now. I know. Because of Sam Bradford. I know, yeah. but, I mean, if you listen, again, if you're talking about pundits, you know, you listen to them talking about Jameis Winston a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And I think Jameis Winston is going to be very, very, very yes. good. But uh, is he on the level of an Andrew Luck? No. 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 Uh, I mean, you can say the same thing about Jared Goff, you know, on the same level as an Andrew Luck as a number one overall pick. No. Yes. And that's okay because not all drafts are created equal. Not all True. quarterbacks are created equal. And, you know, you, you have to do what's best for you and your team and your situation, whatever it is in each and every year. Didn't Ron Jaworski say that Colin Kaepernick was going to be the best quarterback ever? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. Huh. Yeah. You might want to back down off that one. Maybe. Yeah, it happens. You never know. Um, But... It is what it is. You've got golf now. Um, yeah. There, there is something to build around. I still think there's talent there. Um, I think there's a lot of talent in golf. There. I think so too. Yeah, I think there's talent on that O line. I think there's talent on that offense. I just think outside of the numbers, you may need something better. You definitely. And that's how we got on that co- that conversation. By yeah. The way. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. One of the things that I, I did notice about this game, though, um, speaking of players that are on the outside, is, is Farrow Cooper. You know, and I thought that he did a really, really, really nice job in the kick return game. And clearly we have not seen that kind of thing translate um, to the offensive set or whatever um, with Farrow Cooper. But there's something there with him being able to return the ball. Yeah. And I, I think it just speaks to how he is a playmaker. And if you get the ball in his hands, and he's got to catch it. But if you get the ball in his hands, he really can make something happen. Guys like that drive me nuts. What do you mean? The Devin Hester's of the world drive me crazy. Oh. They're so good with the ball in their hands. Yeah. But they have a tough time getting it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, outside of handing it directly to them or kicking yeah. it to them, it's hard to get them the football. Right. Um, if you see the way Devin Hester returns kicks and punts and everything else, you would think he'd be one of the better receivers. Mm-hmm. Right? It just does not translate. Sure. Um, I think maybe, I mean, it's too early to tell about Farrell Cooper. It is, but, yeah. But to see that sort of talent, that that sort of run-after-catch ability, not being able to be used 
in an offensive series right. is frustrating. Well, absolutely. I think that's sort of – it's the same kind of thing I would go back to with a Tyler Higby, you know, because we – in the preseason and in training camp, all we saw was this dude like just making play after play after play in the red zone. Now, have the Rams really been down in the red zone this year all that often? No. But I think there are definitely elements to his game that we have not seen for yeah. whatever reason, whether it's him being flexed out as sort of a wide receiver, tight end-ish person, you know, like a Tyler Eifert, Travis Kelsey, Jimmy Graham-ish in, in that mold. I, we have not seen that for whatever reason. And that's something that I think the next coach is probably going to want to explore a little bit more with him because I, I do think he's got talent to do that. Well, I, I think he was blocked this year by Lance Kendricks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe if he had the reps that Lance had, maybe you'd see more of that red zone stuff. Maybe. Um, but it's not just the red zone. I mean, sometimes you get in a situation where it's second and seven, third and four. You need that play. You do. You need that 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 conversion to, to keep the offense on the field. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm – Completely shocked. I thought he would really have a fantastic year, but yeah. every time the offense went out, it was usually Lance Kendricks. Mm -hmm. Every time there was a play to a tight end, it was usually Lance, Lance Kendricks. Kendricks. And then uh, sometimes Lance Kendricks would drop the football and it ends up in the hands of a defender. Mistakes there. So, yeah, um, at some point, I, I think it will be Tyler Higby's show. Um, like yeah. we said, whoever comes in next all bets are off yeah. with, with everybody, including the vets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the way, that's the way it is with – any team, once they get a new head coach, right? I mean, you know, whenever somebody talks about, I don't know, you get a new manager, you know, whatever walk of life you're in, it's like, oh, get your resume ready. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. And one thing I think that's, that Fossil has talked about um, over the course of the last few weeks since he's been the interim head coach is, you know, it's not just players that are playing for their next job in the NFL, whether it's on this team or another. It's also the coaches that are, that are coaching for their jobs. And so I think it's interesting that it's brought that up, and you know he he's made that point over and over again, and at least to the media that he feels like he is coaching for his job too. You know, so it's not just on the players; it's on him, it's on the the rest of the coaching staff, in in order to finish this season out in the best way that they can. Oh, absolutely! Um, behind every great season, or vice versa is going to be that assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, if your guy goes to the Pro Bowl, great. That's great for your resume. Mm -hmm. um, if your guy has been yanked, benched, moved on from, sure, you'll probably follow. Um, so sometimes there's nothing you can do as a coach at this point. You Your players are going to play the way they're going to play. I, I and yeah. Well, that's what happens when – and I, sometimes I, I'm not sure if people really got this aspect of, you know, the Rams moving on from Fisher with just three games to go. There's not that much that you can change. Nothing. Right? No. You know, I mean, it's not just that you've been doing what you've been doing for the last, um, I don't know, what, the 14 weeks, right? It, it That stuff goes back into training camp. It goes into OTAs. You And so, like, you know, when you get people at the press conferences asking, well, what are you going to do to get this offense going? Or what are you going to change? I love it's that like, question. <laughs> what, what, what do you expect him to change? Like, you think yeah. he's going to bring in a whole new playbook? Um, I think some people actually think that's possible. But it's not. It's not even close. No. I mean, what you're going to do at this point is just do what you've been doing and try to do it a little bit better. Right. Yeah. You can't fool the 49ers, and you're not going to fool the Arizona Cardinals. No. Yeah. I mean, there's 15 games of you yeah. on tape. Um, there's nothing new that you're going to see from them and they're going to see from you. You're going to run what you're going to run and see if they can stop it, right. vice versa. Yeah. So, you know what, we've now got three head coach openings in the NFL um, between the Rams, the Jaguars, and the Bills who uh, dismissed Rex Ryan yesterday. What Both kind of, of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Bomani Jones said, like, take your mans with you. Take your mans <laughs> with you. Wow. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, those guys are really entertaining, and, you know, whenever we're at the Combine or whatever, I always like to just watch the Rex yeah. Ryan yeah, press yeah. conference because it's got bravado. And another thing that, you know, is interesting about him is that he always comes from a place of positivity. And so, you know, but why not? You know, it, it's nice to see somebody be so positive about and, and confident about the way the team can be built and all these different things. So, you know, best of luck to Rex Ryan, I guess, on whatever your next venture is. Yeah, but, or TV. Anyway, yeah, yeah exactly. But the, the, the thing I want to bring up here is there are, I think, attractive qualities to each one of these jobs that would be out there. What do you think would be one of the some of the attractive qualities that would attract – coaching candidates to the Rams? 
Oh, well, number one, um, the owner's willingness to spend money. Mm. Uh, think about Jeff Fisher's contract and how much he was being paid. Um, that's number one. Number two, you are in Southern California. Yeah. You're in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, football hasn't been here. Professional football hasn't been here for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. If you get this right here and become a playoff team or you build what Belichick built in New England and you build <laughs> it here. Yeah. Um, the Lakers may be sitting second fiddle to you in Southern California. If you can build something like that? If you can build that. That's I mean, a huge if. It's, it's a huge if. But, yes. I mean, look, uh, if you if you come in under that and you're a perennial playoff team, you're still immortal. You, you're you still really good. You're really Absolutely. up there. Absolutely. You're right. Imagine if you can win a Lombardi in this in this town. Oh, my God. You write your own ticket. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the weather. You can practice all year long. You can. Yeah. Um, the benefit of being in, in Southern California, playing the 49ers in December mm -hmm. in your house, for the most part, the weather's always great. Yeah, Did true. you turn on the TV? Did you see some of those other games? I did. Yeah, you don't have that here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a luxury. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives to being here. Uh, and there's there's young talent. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still think the, the draw of a Jared Goff, would still be enough. I, I think so, too. I, I do tend to think that. Yeah. Buffalo, I mean, what do you do with Tyrod Taylor? Right. Um, and I heard they're not going to play him. Yes, they're not. The they're playing, week. yeah, they're playing E.J. Manuel instead, and what it looks like is that it's it's all, it, it was a front office decision, and now Anthony Lynn is the new interim head coach, and they basically trotted him out there and nobody else to kind of explain the decision, and the decision was made above him. So that was sort of an interesting press conference thing that happened on Wednesday. Not, it's not like a hostage negotiator. Right, <laughs> yeah. It was made behind me. But that tells you Tyrod's not the guy, so right. that quarterback position is in flux. Cleveland's Cleveland. Uh, sorry, not Cleveland. Why are you bringing I up Cleveland? I keep bringing Cleveland? up Cleveland. Forget it. Jeez. I, there should be a job there opening. Are Whoa. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Man. They've got one win, Miles. They have one win, but they also are like a historically bad franchise. One win, and you have job security. Because they need they need to do something to keep continuity. You I cannot mean, keep blowing. It, that look, says a lot. Some, look, I, you turn somebody, in a one-win season and you're secure? Here's the deal. Wow. Some, yeah, it says how bad they've been for the last, you know, 15, right. almost going That's on That's like no child left years. behind. What? I don't even know <laughs> you, what you mean you by that. You get all Fs and you still pass. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, to explain what that is, yeah. um, I, I read something, it was a tweet somewhere, that said good organizations don't change head coaches every two years. And yes. Right now, you know, Belichick just backed that up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the Browns are, and I think that's what they're trying to get out of. And the only yeah. way to the only way to build something is to build it. And it's my understanding, following what I've been following out of out of Cleveland, is that that's what they're trying to do. Okay. When I see one win, I think coaching vacancy. I'm I, sorry. I understand. I know that. Hugh Jackson's that the coach sense. there. Right. Um. But Jacksonville. Right. You've got a choice: Bortles or Goff. And if you're a head coach, if you're a head coaching candidate and you have your choice between Buffalo, Jacksonville, and L.A., mm -hmm. which one of those two quarterbacks do you like the most? I, I mean, if it's me, I would like Goff because I think there's more that you can mold there. Um, Bortles has been in this league for, what, four, three, four years yeah. now? So it's there are some probably habits that might be too ingrained in him, right? if that makes any sense. Depends. I mean, I think they're both, you know, great lumps of clay that you can mold still. Yeah. Um, so there's some upside to both guys. Now, consider division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you can win down there in Jacksonville a whole lot faster than you can win in the NFC West. And that would be something that I, I think, you know, coaches would probably take into consideration. But I want to compete at the highest level. Also, there's that. I, I want to win where it's toughest, not oh. where it's easiest. And I, I think we've seen that, especially this year, you know, the, the Arizonas of the world, the Seattles of the world, you can go in and beat these teams. Yes. You know, as long as, if you know them well enough, you can compete with them. So I, I think that that's just the way it is. You know, it's not like yeah. these two teams have been so dominant in the division that they've dominated everybody else in the division. Right. They, they've not. And that's been the case even over the last couple of years. I mean, even when the Rams were going, you know, six and ten in twenty fourteen or seven and nine last year, they were still competing with the Seattle's of the world, with the Arizona's of the right. world, and beating those two teams as well. Yeah. So, I, like, this division is hot. It's great. It's loaded. I think, like you said, Seattle's not going anywhere. But that wouldn't scare me away from taking this job. Yeah. Just because Seattle is great and Arizona is all this whatever. 
uh, I would love to compete at the highest level, mm-hmm. and I'd love to get paid more than a lot of other people. So <laughs> I, I think this job would fit, uh, would be attractive to to a great, a good coach. You know, one of the yeah. other things I think about um, when thinking about, you know, you, you brought up, you know, more deep pockets or whatnot, um, the staff. You can probably get a larger staff, and you can get anybody you want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we've seen even under, even in this current staff. You know, you've got a lot of experience in a lot of different places and a lot of different areas that can help you, particularly on defense. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, not not on the air, but you know, if you you're talking about defensive line, where you've got Mike Waffle, who's the the D line coach, and then right behind him, you've got Clyde Simmons, mm-hmm. and that's somebody who's been in the league, who's been around, and who can help you as an old hand. You know, Frank Bush, you've got you him. Just call him old. I I'm I said old hand, which was you just called Clyde Simmons old. No, I'm gonna not. tell him. I did not. We're call going him out old. to practice nope. when we leave here. I didn't say as that. As soon as I see Clyde, Sim- say I'm gonna old. say this little guy called you. old. No, I did not. Old hand. You can't prove that was me. Yes, I can. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. <laughs> we will edit that out. You cannot prove that was me because I'm not gonna be the one who called. Anyway, uh, yeah, somebody yeah. old. But you you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one thing I would be hiring. I would be hiring a person that can build a staff. Now I'll go back to. Dick Vermeil, when he took over, okay. um, he brought a lot of experience himself, but every one of our coaches had championship experience mm. at, on some level. Uh-huh. He all brought that together, yeah. and, you know, once we got Marshall, everything kind of worked out and yeah. we won the Super Bowl. But, yeah, I, I'd be looking for championship coaches to come in. Okay. Yeah, that's that's something I'm hiring. I'm not just hiring you. Mm-hmm. I want to know who, who can you call to coach running backs. Right. Who can you call to coach quarterbacks if not you? Yeah. Who's going to run your defense? Who do you trust to run your defense? All that stuff I'd be hiring. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the, the most important elements. And, and um, Kevin Dumoff, Rams COO, is so running the search. He brought this up. You know, it's not just about, okay, well, you, you want to get somebody who's an offensive specialist because then they can get the quarterback and da 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 You could still get somebody who's more of a defensive-minded background as long as they are, you know, the, the more CEO-type head yeah, coach, yeah. right? And they have the the means to hire the right people to train up everybody else on the, on the, on the team. So it's not like you're just saying, okay, you need this guy because he's the offensive minded head coach. You need the guy who's going to bring in somebody who can run the offense the way it needs yeah. to be run and pr- make it better than it is right now. How I want to hire a guy that can put Jared Goff in the Pro Bowl. That's yeah. it. That's that's right. all I'm concerned with. Yeah. Um, I think you need to focus your resources on building that investment, mm-hmm. on making him as as great as he possibly can be, I agree. because everything else flows through that. Right. Yeah. As long as you've got the quarterback in this league, you have a chance. Well, think about it. You've got the world's greatest punter, and you the do. world's greatest defensive tackle. You do. And you still have four wins. Mm-hmm. Right. I. You put that resource. You put those resources into building a quarterback, which is going to be tougher than the other two we just mentioned. It is. Um, your record could be flipped this time of year. It could be. Yeah, that's that's what I would try to do. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's go to something else um, because <laughs> this uh, upcoming weekend it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. And so, who's playing? Your Huskies. You, you mean? You mean in college football? Uh, yes, I'm talking about the college. Yeah, we're football not talking playoff. about college football. Why not? Because you you will jinx it. I'm not going to j- what. You, we're not talking about the Huskies. We're not talking We're about the Huskies not gonna at all. We're not talking about the Huskies. No. We have to talk. I'm going to talk. They about have them. Alabama. Yeah, they have Alabama. That's it. How are you feeling? They have Alabama. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to Bill Belichick right now. Pretty much. I'm, yeah. <laughs> We're on to Alabama. Oh, um, come on. Here I'll give you a, a connection. UW. When I was there, yeah. um, our head coach was Don James. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban just said recently, and I think he said it before a long time ago, he wouldn't be in coaching if it wasn't for Don James. Why is that? He gave him a start. Okay. Yeah, so they're connected way back then. Um, so it's uh, my brother asked me, have I gone to UW and, and gave the, the team pep talks? No, absolutely not. Why not? This is their journey. Hmm. Um, you know, our group, we, we desired to be number one, and we achieved it. Yeah. And they saw us. We were up there for a reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they saw what football immortality looks like as far as, you know, team sports. We were there. The 91 team will live on forever. Yeah. Um, if you want to take your place next to us, go through Alabama. No, There's no motivation from us. That's all for you. Hmm. That's your journey, guys. That's Chris Peterson's journey. So right. um, it couldn't be simpler for the Huskies. You get through the best team in college football, you have a shot at the biggest prize. This is true. Yes. 
That's all you get. That's all you get. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah. You want to see more? Come to my house on game day. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be kind of crazy. Mm. You know, you watching uh, your Huskies, dude. Oh, uh, you don't want you, you don't want to be near me with a Husky game. Yeah, you don't want to be around me, especially when it's going bad. Yeah. <laughs> I almost lost it on Maurice Jones Drew because he thought I was kidding. Really? Yeah. This is when SC was SC beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not having a good day. No, this you're is, not. No, everything sucks today. <laughs> everything sucks today. I don't care if the food is awesome. It sucks right now. Yes. It doesn't matter. You know, you still you still made it. The it's Rams okay. won that weekend. What weekend was that? New York. Oh, it was. They and it still sucked. Yeah. And it still sucked. I like that weekend. I was that the was only nice bitter weekend. person like on home. the plane. Yeah, you probably were. Yes. It was 9-3. to three. That, was nine, that was an interesting... No, 9-6. to six. That was one of yeah. the... That's the last time the Rams have won. Yes. Can you believe it? We've been through almost three months, you know, and Fossil brought this up, and the Rams have won one game. Crazy. It is pretty crazy. You know, I was going to tell you about the defense. Um, you ever heard... Oh, we didn't even talk about the defense. We you ever heard... Uh, what do you call that? Uh, Bernard Hopkins. And it's so funny. Friend of mine, he just got knocked out of the ring recently, but he okay. was 51 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about a fight, and he's fighting a bigger guy, and he told me, I think it's the parable of the cy- Cyclops or something like that, to where, you ever seen a Cyclops? Yeah. It's huge, it's monstrous, but... It has one eye. One eye, right? Cyclops. Cyclops. Greek mythology, I studied that a lot. Thank you. Uh, but that's how he approached fights. Mm-hmm. Well, you could use that same deal for the Rams' defense. Um there's been plenty of multi-sack games mm-hmm. for this team. Yes. How many multi-interception games have there been? I think there's been zero or there's one. There's been one yeah. versus Arizona. Yeah. One. So once you go at their weakness, mm-hmm. that one, the Cyclops, the eye, once you get past the pass rush, you realize there's not much playmaking happening in the back end. Mm. Right. So I think that's been the difference for this defense. I think this defense was great a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I- I think the frustration right after the three-game win streak, when you were close, 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 mm-hmm. and you were really playing well on defense, and you kept coming away with L's, I think that got to them by the time they got to New Orleans. I, I think so, too. That yeah. You know, and I brought this theory up to somebody this week, and they're like, ah, I don't know. But I honestly, I believe that they're playing at a playoff caliber level for much of the season. I mean, you look at what did against New York, you know, you allowed 10 points in London. Like, that's something. You know, you right. only allowed, what, 13 points to Carolina at home. Those should have been victories. Yes. Yeah. So, there have have there been lapses? Absolutely. I mean, the Buffalo game is one. You were missing three defensive line starters. Mm-hmm. You can say whatever you want about that. New Orleans, obviously, that's another one. But I think once you did get to that point, and you've just been on this losing streak, and there are no touchdowns being scored, you're not getting over 10 points basically ever, it's really, really tough on that unit. And then it all turns south in the media. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. And just like for the last month, they haven't been great. Yes. And they don't take the ball away enough. No, they don't. Uh, yeah. If they if they could become playmakers in the back end a little bit more, maybe you have a chance to turn some of these games around in the last month. But yeah. Without an offense and the way you're not taking the ball away, no. It just, you broke. Well, you know, this may be a game that the Rams do it because, I mean, as you brought up, you know, this is the, the, the Arizona Cardinals game was the only game in which the Rams had like a multiple, multiple, multiple um, takeaways. They had five against Arizona in that last matchup. So, hey, if it's ever going to happen in the 2016 season, there's only one more game left. You know, this gotta is be. it. So. Right, got to be. Um, and look, uh, you're facing, I, I guess, the, 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 the best back in the league yeah, they say? Uh, honestly, yeah. yes. David Johnson has been excellent. And he, what did they call him? I think Sean Payton called him a transformer. Huh, did he really? That's funny. I thought that was a cool way to, uh, cool label to give to him, because that's exactly what he does. Yeah. No matter what play you call, he turns into that player. Mm-hmm. Uh, either running it traditionally, uh, you know, tackle to tackle, or out of the backfield as a receiver. Or lined up as a receiver yes. on the outside. He did that a few times against Seattle last week. After the catch, you got problems. Yeah. Yeah, after the catch, you've got some serious problems. So he tests everything. First, he tests your discipline mm-hmm. on traditional plays. Then he tests your pursuit. Right. Because he's going to make guys miss. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to make a lot of guys miss. If Rams fans are like, if they want to see a running back make people miss, watch this guy. Guaranteed, he's going to make people miss this year yeah. or, or this this game. Yeah, he guaranteed, will. he will. Yes. So we will see what happens on Sunday. Be far apart and shot. Anything else? I just love how you try to wrap it up. What? I, I just love how you try to wrap it up. Are are we done? 
Yeah, I mean, we're I'm almost, not done. I got hours left. Come we on. Got, we're at we haven't even talked about Christmas presents yet. Oh, we didn't talk what'd, about Christmas presents. What'd you get? I got, we did talk about Christmas. No, we did didn't. we talk what'd about you, that on the air? Off the air. Oh, Look at oops. you. I'm like, <laughs> what'd you get? <laughs> it's been 47 minutes. No, I got I got some nice stuff for my mom. I got some I got some shaving cream and nice. like shaving elements. Nice. So she gets me that like almost every year, but it's it always works because I don't have to shave that yeah. often. So like it lasts me for practically the entire year. Good for you. So yeah, no, it's really, really cool. What'd you get for mom? Um, I got her a Fitbit because she mentioned nice, it once. Yeah, nice. and we're we're on the phone, so like uh, I sent it to her, and so I also gave her some Christmas ornaments that I got in London. Um, one from Windsor Castle, one from Stonehenge. So we're talking on awesome. the phone on Christmas, and like I'm expecting you're something about the Fitbit. She's going on and on and on about the Christmas <laughs> ornaments. No she, kidding. Like, she mentioned briefly. She's like, that wasn't really a hint when I was talking about the Fitbit before, but the Christmas ornaments. Oh, like, these are so cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How was your Christmas? I'm not telling you. That's it. <laughs> That's all we get. That's all I wanted to know. Okay. Thank you. All this right. This has been Between the Horns. That's Miles. I'm Defar. You're going to tell us about the Christmas, about your Christmas, right? That's all we got. No. I'm not cutting this off <laughs> until you tell us about how Christmas was. Uh, Christmas was awesome <laughs> yeah. to watch people open presents. Okay, yeah. Especially the 20-month-old. Of course. Yeah, uh, and it's so funny. More interested in the box and the paper than the actual Really? Gift. So that's like a true thing that people say? Because obviously I don't know. I don't have children, but like people do say it. Like, oh, Yeah, you know, we got kids. her the mini, the mini stainless pots and pans because mm-hmm. she loves taking like mine. <laughs> so let's give her her own mini set. Uh-huh. So. I spent hours wrapping this thing, right? Okay. I mean, I wanted this to be perfect. Yeah. It's like the first time she's going to actually unwrap a gift on her own. So we wake her up in bed, mm-hmm. put the gift in bed with her. Oh. She's so happy. You know, we got the Christmas gear and everything. She starts tearing the present open, going going to town, but she's tearing like little bits and pieces, like little <laughs> like little bits, right? So it's just like two inches at a time. No, no. It, this whole unwrapping took like 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's just so cute. And then she finally gets all the wrapping paper off, and there's the gift, the stainless stuff. Yeah. And she goes right back into the paper, so I was tearing that up more. <laughs> it was just so funny. Yeah, so cute. All yeah. Right. Well, here's one more thing. Yeah. Um, so by the time, next time we talk to the people, it'll be 2017. Yeah. Do you have New Year's resolutions? No. I don't either. I, uh, why? Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to make a change, just do it this week. Just do it. Don't, okay. Don't wait, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I... Uh, let me see. Let me think. Let's okay. make up one. All right. New Year's resolution. What are mm. we? What are we gonna do differently? What am I gonna do differently? What are we both? You and I are gonna do something differently together. What are we gonna do? Oh, next year. Next year. Huh. I, I I don't know. We probably should have thought about this before we just go on the air and just have dead air while we think about more it. podcasts. More podcasts. More podcasts. I like that resolution. On location. Yeah. Ooh. Bang. There we go. There it is. Nice. All right. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Between the Horns. I hope you have. Start the show, Miles. Ugh, I can't finish the show either. <laughs> Let's try that again. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's edition of Between the Horns. Josh, thank you very much for producing the show today. What's today's date? Today is December 28th, 2016, as DeMarco tries to heckle me before I finish the show. I'm not heckling you. Thank you anyway, DeMarco, for being here as always. What, I what's Todd Gurley's number? What? What are you doing? I need to start ignoring It's you. right in front of you. Oh, like, <laughs> I have a phone not like, 30? Like, what are you talking about? Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this week's edition of Between the Horns. For Josh, my producer, for DeMarco Farr, I'm Miles Simmons. Wherever you may be in football, we may see you next time. Rabbit.